Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets biblical Christianity face to face. And I'm your host, Sean McCraney. We praise God for allowing us to be here on the air. We hope we're on the air with you right now and to uh, engage in this. Uh, this is the second time in eight years where we are approaching Mormonism and biblical Christianity. Last week, we explained why. So tonight, we're going to embark on uh, uh, our second approach at Mormonism. I hope that uh, you will understand how we're going to be doing things. Since moving to Utah over a year and a half ago, we have seen how difficult it can be to live in a state when you are not part of the majority religion. Um, there's so much natural beauty. The sunsets here are just amazing. Of course, the mountains are gorgeous. The change of seasons, unbelievable. But there is a pervasive heaviness that comes with living in the state that if you haven't lived here, you might not know about. Now, for some non-members non here in Utah, it's not that big of a deal. I've talked to them, they're like, yeah, I don't really mind. A lot of them have never been, uh, or are not Christian, or have never been LDS. But if you have come from a place that is not LDS and moved here, or if you are, uh, were formerly LDS, or if you're a, a Christian, it can really get heavy. Perhaps the greatest frustration I've experienced is due to the absolute disregard many, not all, but many Latter-day Saints have uh, for the thoughts and personal space and individuation of people who aren't of their faith. Um, public places are inundated with LDS influence and dialogue. Restaurants are often closed on Sunday conversations about what's going on in the ward and the stake are everywhere. They invade your mind at every turn. And there's this general attitude that life doesn't exist outside of being a Mormon sometimes. Um, it almost feels like you live in Stepford, if you know what I'm talking about. But one area where this is really obvious is in and through the local media outlets. Now, Deseret News is, is horrible, I'm sorry. Uh, and frankly, the Salt Lake Trib, in my opinion, isn't much better. But at least these rags try to keep away from the good old boy type stuff. And they, they, they do a lot with Mormonism, but it doesn't completely invade uh, their, uh, their commentary and their articles and stuff. Um, but it's really an LDS obliviousness. The local television news here, forget about it. I mean, it is like there's always something that talks about, and it's almost like they talk to you as if you know what, it li what it's like to be a Mormon, that, that you're probably Mormon. And you know, the church said today, it's just like, what? Uh, amazing. I was given this newspaper from somebody. It's the San Juan Record, hometown newspaper for San Juan County, Utah, since 1915. Okay, and uh, it, if you open it up, it you know, gives you San Juan weather statistics. Here there's a little message, there's a color photograph of the local missionary, uh, or somebody who's sent on a mission to that Tallahassee mission, and it shows that. And you know, when you read the obituaries in these papers, it's really quite comical, almost, because they talk as if you are a member of the church, and the doctrine that's mentioned in the obituaries is all Mormon-related. Uh, Grandpa Paul, John, 93, went to, back to Heavenly Father today after a long journey here, and um, he's sealed to his... It just talks in this vernacular. The ins and outs of the ites, 
This is a whole back page article. During family scripture study one evening, our youngest daughter, Kate, posed an interesting question. She was curious about all the ites in the Book of Mormon. And the whole article is about their little family gathering and the ites in the Book of Mormon. And it's literally an article that is in the local newspaper for an entire county in the state. Then there are the local schools, particularly the high school level here. Depending on the area, it, there can be a complete disregard for people who are not LDS. Uh, on July 6th, Salt Lake Trib columnist Paul Raleigh reported on a story out of Bountiful, Utah. By the way, Bountiful is a name taken straight out of the Book of Mormon. And this is what Raleigh wrote, quote, about 50 Bountiful High School graduates had the announcer at their commencement state the location of the LDS mission they had been assigned when their names were called to pick up their diplomas. The incident, as chronicled by Tribune religion writer Peggy Fletcher Stack last month, is the latest in a long history of cluelessness displayed in Utah high schools. Mormon church leaders last year lowered the eligible age for male missionaries from 19 to 18, meaning many high school graduates this spring will go directly on missions before going to college or whatever other endeavors they choose. The young grads at Bountiful showed their excitement by writing down their full name to be announced, but substituting the site of their mission for their middle name, such as John Russia Doe or James New York Smith. After a while, the audience began to get catch on and uh, some were offended, end quote. Now, I know that when you get teenagers involved, they're gonna do stuff like this. They get excited and their whole world revolves around them, you know, and, and, and Raleigh admits that the, the district administrators for the school would never have allowed that to occur had they known that it was gonna come about. But what's not acceptable is on the blog and, and what are associated with this article online are the adult LDS people and the things they have to say, most of them saying there's nothing wrong with this innocent little act. It's fine, it's normal. I don't know why people make such a big deal out of it. You know, and this is the frustrating part. Adults who are so myopic and so into their own world that they see nothing wrong with a high school, a public high school graduation where there's a lot of kids there who are not LDS with their families and yet the time is taken to announce where these other kids are gonna be going on their full-time mission. I mean, if other graduates had their future plans announced at the same time for their middle name, maybe it would be acceptable. Like Jimmy Brown plans to go to New York and try heroin for two years, yay! And uh, Lisa Jones, she's going to go to LA and work in the porn industry, oh! But you know that if this stuff was said, that the, the LDS parents would rise up and freak out and just say, this is horrible. But they can tell you that it's all right for them to say where they're sending their son or daughter out to preach a false gospel for two years. This is the kind of stuff that kills you. And you know how they would uh, react. Herein lies the greatest frustration I experience as being a resident of Utah. It's what uh, Raleigh calls a long history of cluelessness. Uh, and it might, I might see it as a long history of arrogant religious uh, uh, dominionism too, whatever you want to call it. It's for this reason, I'm so adamantly opposed to Christianity 
having anything to do with politics or government or fighting world evil. It's not the call of Christ on our lives. To associate the two does the same thing as what the Mormons are doing in these high schools. All right, we re recently sent a letter out to anyone who has ever supported Aletheia Ministries financially and asked them if they would consider continuing. This is the first time in our history of doing this. Uh, the reason is, one, when we switched directions on TV20 in January and were taken off the air, many of our supporters didn't know what happened to us. They don't have the internet and they can't read our newsletters. So it's just like they thought the ministry's done. And as a direct result of that, 40% of our support from the same levels of last year are gone. That's a huge drop in any size ministry, but especially a small one like this. So we decided through the mail to contact all of our current supporters to thank them. And we do thank you for your prayers or your financial support or whatever, whatever it is. Uh, and in the same letter, we let our former supporters know that the ministry is not dead and that we uh, still have LDS people from around the world who uh, come back and uh, they come to our site and they watch the show or they watch on the NRB network or they're watching online streaming like this, whatever it is, and for them to consider supporting us. Now, in these letters, we added two envelopes that were return envelopes for Aletheia Ministries. And from what I've heard, some people have been openly critical of this action online. It's really ticked them off. And it's piqued my curiosity uh, because I am curious, what would they do if they were in our position? And I want you to call tonight, if you're one of the critiquers, you can come in anonymously and explain the egregiousness of us doing that. I would really want to know. Uh, we are constantly and continually receiving emails. We're 360 plus behind right now from people uh, looking for advice or help or insights. We have a stockpile of viable books that are made for excellent resources. We, of course, have our video archives and uh, we aren't able to meet our bills for the ministry, not for our church. Our church is self-sufficient. I'm just talking about for the ministry that does this. So what would you do? I'd like to know what you would do if that was the case. Uh, understand this was not a, a solicitation letter for new people. It wasn't out a blind thing. It was two people who have been with us before and wanted to know, we want them to know what's going on. So additionally, we've been told uh, that in the face of last week's announcement of repenting and changing my mind about going after evangelical Christianity that I have sold out uh, there are there is suggestions that because times are getting financially tough and we've been taking off local television here, that I sold my soul in an effort to try and salvage the ministry. And in some cases, that's true. I mean, you absolutely have to make decisions like that when you are in anything, business, ministry, campaigns, whatever it is, you have to look at what is working and you have to assess the situation all the time and see if you're on uh, the right track. Now with us, we assess it to say, is God blessing it or not? And let me tell you how it works in ministry. You leap out in faith. Uh, you might have the luxury of God having said, this is what I want you to do and this is going to work. But typically, like when we did Born Again Mormon in 97, uh, wrote Born Again Mormon, sat on it for years in our garage, produced it with credit cards, uh, went to Bible college. It, it just, it was a leap of faith 
And, but every time along the way, we would have these little doors open. And I believe that's how God works. He shows you, okay, I'm gonna keep you moving. This is gonna work now. A little reward here, a little success. Financially, it wasn't, but we were seeing fruit and people were getting interested and it just continued to grow and roll forth. So we pursued that course. The exact opposite was true when we did what we did in January 1. I mean, I said that we're gonna go after American evangelicalism and literally everything ground to a halt. And there was nobody coming around or growing in the Lord or coming to a new understanding of him by the, uh, as a result of the new programs. The money went down the drain spiral downward instead of steadily increasingly going up. And internally, which is something you have to measure as to what's going on, I didn't have real peace. I, I, I turned a blind eye based on my anger and frustration with the local churches but I didn't have any real in internal peace in what we were doing. I prepared and did it, but that was never really there the way it is when I am doing what I was called to do as we explained last week. So that's how it kind of works. And um, it's, it's the fruit you look for. Uh, this being said though, God is able to take things and he uses them to his advantage even when we make mis blundering mistakes. We never would be in the studio our church would still be up at another location far away rather than here more uh, centrally located to the freeway. Uh, a lot of things have happened that never would have happened if I didn't go and do what I did. So you're able to see he can make good out of bad if you let him. And uh, maybe that's the point I wanted to get across in the end. With that, let's have a word of prayer. Father God, we seek you and wanna be in your will and you allow us to uh, do different things and to take different courses because you are a God of freedom and you don't force and coerce. And so uh, we seek to have your spirit with us and to um, do what you want us to do and be what you want us to be. We pray for Brent's brother, Barry, uh, and his lung operation and uh, lung transplant and for anybody else who needs help, Lord, and that's all of us really, for whatever we're struggling with. So we pray for those who are seeking you that they will be able to find you, and those who are struggling with you that they will be able to relax and receive what you have for them. And we just love you, and say this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, last week I changed my mind on the air, repented as it were of our former direction. Uh, this week we are continuing in some, uh, to, go back to some positions that I have let slide over the years. Let me explain. Since we are embarking on another round of comparing Mormonism with biblical Christianity, I suppose now there's no better time than now maybe uh, than to sort of bring everything into the light that has slowly been pushed out of the light over the years because I've allowed it to be. Uh, if I'm gonna be able to effectively do the show and maintain some, some semblance of health, uh, emotional, physical, spiritual health, uh, I have to be absolutely forthright on where I stand on matters that make people angry sometimes, no matter how, difficulty, how difficult the positions may appear. Uh, and what I mean by this is way back in 97, uh, when I was born again as a result of a roadside experience, my heart was fixed on one thing, and that was really to help bring the LDS to an understanding that they could have a direct relationship with Jesus Christ in spite of their faith. Uh, I had no inclination 
<coughs> excuse me, to try and do anything else. And I was driven by a love for the LDS people, not by anger or hatred or frustration or vengeance for them. I have those feelings for some of the uh, top guys down on North Temple in the high rise. But for the, the grassroots people, never have I had those feelings except for when they get under my skin for like normal things. When I wrote Born Again Mormon, the book was marginalized by the Christian community, especially believers involved in Christian apologetics and some local pastors here in Utah, uh, due to the fact that in the first edition, I stated these four things at the intro. The first one says, our, our mission is to introduce Latter-day Saints to the God-given gift of spiritual rebirth through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This was one of the primary reasons we wrote Born Again Mormon and published it. I maintain this objective today. Let the LDS seekers of truth experience Jesus firsthand and let their religious affiliations get worked out by the king. And, I, you know, I, we will say, hey, if you want to leave, it's a good thing. Find a good church that teaches the Bible, etc. But really, it's the born again experience that we have first and foremost sought to get people wherever they are to try to give Jesus a chance to change their lives. The second missional statement uh, listed in the book was to assist born again Mormons, people who have been born again in the Mormon church, who remain active in the church with their sacred mission of bringing other Latter-day Saints to the Lord. This we took a lot of heat for because in it, there's kind of this tacit uh, uh, direction that, hey, once you're born again, go ahead and stay Mormon and try to recruit from the inside out. Now, admittedly, this was pretty Pollyannish on my part, but I had hoped that the, God would do a work in their hearts and from the inside there would be a grassroots thing that sort of would spread from one to the other and it would fall uh, internally first. Um, I was ignorant uh, of, of the strongholds the LDS culture has and I, and I forgot how when you are a member and you don't believe it anymore and you're sharing things with people, you're just, they're just receiving blank looks. So uh, that was a failure on that point. The third printed objective, which was a product of the second said, to teach born again Mormons how to appreciate and support the positive aspects of church membership while simultaneously but peacefully rejecting any doctrine or practice contrary to biblical truth. So what that was saying is, listen, if you decide, if you've been born again, if you come to know Jesus is the only way, not your temples, not your tithing, not all this stuff, and you really discover that, let's help you to stay there and just avoid how to avoid some of the stuff. And it was radical, I admit. It, it, it wasn't based really in reality. And my opinions of this objective have, have gone up and down over the years. Sometimes I think there's nothing good in Mormonism whatsoever because in the end it all ends up to something bad, in my opinion. But then there's other times where I see there's plenty of good, viable stuff that they do that the other Christian churches can learn from. And, and, and so after 12 years of experiencing evangelical Christianity firsthand and all the good and bad that comes with it, I can see that the evangelical uh, Christians and Christianity as a whole could learn a lot from Mormonism, especially when it comes to organization and government. That's it, not doctrine, not their practices, but in those areas. And then finally, the fourth missional objective read, to patiently help initiate an integration of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints into full fellowship with the existing body of Christ. Now, there was a caveat to that, and it was explained in the book. Many of you who are reading it now might be taken aback, but uh, the heart of it was, listen, I'm not saying give up doctrine ever. 
And I'm not saying, you know, for Christians to start doing what Mormons do, but it was to help initiate an integration and that maybe that would happen by members rising up and saying, look, we're tired of all this stuff. And I think it's gonna happen. I think there's a potential for this to happen with the advent of the internet, etc. So uh, God did it with the Worldwide Church of God and Herbert J. Armstrong. It's possible he's able to do it with Mormonism as well. I was not then nor now suggesting some kind of synchronistic uh, approach and, or ecumenism to bring everything in a one world church or any of that garbage like people may have said. Merely suggesting Christians consider using another approach in reaching the Latter-day Saints and that is look at, take off the table that you are LDS, you have an LDS neighbor or friend, just forget that they're LDS and just talk to them about, hey, do you know who Jesus is? Aside from everything you've been taught, have you had a personal uh, experience with him? Do you believe he was really a historical figure who came and died and was resurrected and was seen by 500 plus people and that their record and accounts were true? Do you, do you buy into that? And if not, why? And if so, what do you do with it? Things like that. The book and approach was controversial, but it got me in the end an invitation to have a television program in Salt Lake and we accepted it. And we started out on the air trying this approach. You can look at the early shows. I just wanna know if you've been born again, Latter-day Saints. It was a very, very calm approach to, to trying to do what the book said in television form. Looking back, several things evolved over the years of our doing the program, and which contributed to the show becoming what it ultimately ended up being. First, while I anticipated some reaction from LDS callers, I wasn't prepared for the depths that some of them would plumb in an effort to try and perpetuate the Mormon myth and the fraud as being biblically sound or true or worst of all, Christian. I did not realize that we would have calls and the duplicitousness would come out of, hello, Sean, you know, uh, we all love the Lord. And I, did, I didn't anticipate that, I don't know why. I thought people would call and say, well, what do we need to do here, you know what? And, and so it threw me back and being a man of passion, I responded in total disgust at the larceny that was being perpetrated over the phone and and so what that did was it pleased a lot of you and, and, and it offended a lot of others. And you enjoyed the lashing outs that in the, in the irate tirades that I would go into when these callers would call. Well, we then dis discovered that by my confronting these issues in this way, I represented an, uh, the tiny voices in the state, the people who have grown up here and have never had a voice to say exactly what they see or they haven't had the uh, ability to maybe articulate it or know what the Bible said. And so when they would tune in, they'd just be, yeah, you know, get them. And the blood's coming up on their neck and, and they loved it because of that dynamic of the show. Suddenly, uh, you know, I became a voice to these people and uh, they really appreciated the fact that someone was calling these phonies out for what they were trying to do on the air. Then we learned that some of those people who liked that approach actually were learning that Jesus is somebody that they can approach without religion. And that while they like to smoke or drink or do these things that the Mormon church forbids without social embarrassment, there was salvation waiting for them out in the wings, so to speak, by the name of Jesus Christ. And so we started to get 
emails and things of people saying, you know, I, I hated you at first and uh, I wanted to prove you wrong, but now I've come to see the light and I've left Mormonism and we, we have those responses by the thousands as a result of the, of the show. Uh, we gather up all these facts and kind of the homespun, self-facing, lowbrow format of the television show. And the, uh, of course I was the ultimate professional, but uh, did you hear that laugh? I was the ultimate professional, but everybody else was lowbrow. We had technical difficulties, etc. And we discovered that we had a formula for call-in television that worked. And, but at the same time, I had a personal life and persona, a worldview uh, honed by the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God and by life that was not always in harmony with the television persona that we put out. Uh, this was a bigger problem for me than I imagined when we were doing the shows and letting them collect. Uh, yes, I am passionate and yes, argumentative by nature. Those things were not part of the show, but these things serve the television persona and show really well, but they weren't really serving me and, and people knowing who I, who I was. And not that that's real important, but it's really tough to be thought of as a certain way and to be treated that way by everybody and not to really be that person that they think you are. And I know you, you hear child uh, actors and things going through the sa same type of stuff. So that's what was going on. So the entertainment shtick was part of it. I'm an entertainer uh, by God's design. And, but instead of like analyzing and critiquing politics or uh, financial institutions, I wanna go after the big wiggies of religion. And I wanna go after the fat cats who are taking advantage and fleecing the sheep. And so we tried to do that in, in, in an entertaining way, but here's the unfortunate paradox. Even though I'm always trying to expose religious hypocrisy and promote spiritual authenticity, I was not personally willing to uh, really let my heart of heart speak to many issues. I wasn't being completely authentic. I was using showmanship and, and a lot of feigned anger and, and uh, antics and stuff to keep people watching and get it across. But actually I was more of a hypocrite in, in, in who I am personally compared to what I was doing on the show. Some of me was there, the, 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 the entertainment stuff, but the best parts of me, the parts that you want to be known for really, you know, in your life by your family and your friends and the, your neighbors, no matter what religion they are, that was not coming out at all and it took a toll. So some of you could read between the lines and hear and see that the whole gig behind the thing. Uh, and, but I allowed a lot of other people to let me be who they wanted me to be because that was what was, seemed to be needed at the time. And for this inauthenticity, I paid for a high price by developing real anger and uh, real frustration and in the end, total burnout. Um, burning out under the hot lights of other people's expectations. Hey, Sean, you, you really got after him that week. Come on, you, don't give up. You know, you get the emails. You're softening too much. Really let him have it, you know? And you start reading that stuff 100 times a week, and you start thinking, well, man, maybe I should. And um, that's not my true heart. So last week, I repented of the direction I chose to take in the first year 
and tonight we have returned to our examination of Mormonism. This week I'm repenting for allowing what I know to be true to be pushed into the shadows as a means to please people or as a means to keep you or the churches around here, the pastors, happy and off my back. There are doctrines that I innately abhor that have been uh, long embraced uh, by Christianity. Uh, nothing to do with the core issues, but there's a lot of uh, superfluous stuff that I held back my opinions on and didn't do it for fear that uh, we wouldn't have the support of the churches or the people. And, uh, and it, I really lean m far more toward being a radical liberal for the Lord uh, than, and, and I know a lot of you could see that and hear that, and I don't mean that in a moralistic sense, I just mean it in, in uh, pragmatics and how we relate to other people of other faiths. And so uh, I, I wanna move forward now uh, with heart of the matter now in, in the vein of how I really relate to people and how I would relate to them if I saw them in a restaurant, if they were my next door neighbor, if I saw them on a bus. And uh, you might still see me get angry if someone happens to call who's LDS and they're trying to pull the wool over our eyes and stuff. But I think um, it's time that we've done that whole seven years of stuff and it's time for us to start upping our um, responses uh, to the situation. Not only in how I behave and how I say and do things, but also in the level of how we're going to investigate things. We're gonna notch it up a little bit in looking at the Bible, really exploring what is being said, how the LDS and the Christian community get along in places that many people say they absolutely don't, but how they are absolutely wrong too in many, many places. I won't sell out biblical truth. We will, if you can call me on something and prove through the Bible I'm wrong, I will repent right here and now. But there are things that have been accepted within the body as this is how it is and this is how we need to be, and there's a lot of them. And that's gonna come out more naturally as we talk. All right, we're gonna go to the phone lines. We're gonna to go to Aaron in New York City. But before we do, uh, take a look at this spot and we'll come right back. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which That was a trippy little commercial. Uh, listen, um, we're gonna call this year, the rest of the year, uh, Doctrine Makes the Man. And uh, that is gonna be the focus on Mormonism, how their doctrines make the, the men that, and women that they are. And that will, that's how this kind of fits in together. So let's go to Aaron in New York City on line one. Aaron, you're on Heart of the Matter. Um, hello there, Sean. Hello, hello Shalom. Shalom. Hey, how are you doing, brother? It's uh, it's it's great to be watching the show. 
Um, and I have a couple of questions, but before that, I just want to thank you so much for putting the Lord Jesus Christ first and ahead of everything. Um, it's very admirable, you know? Well, that's, that's a pleasure for me. I, I uh, hope I can do it more. Amen. Amen. And, you know, I'm, I'm with you guys, you know, in trying to reach, you know, these precious souls for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, and basically, uh, like myself, I come from a Jewish background, you know, um, but I, I trust, I'm convinced that Jesus is our Messiah. He is the Savior. He is God. Um, and, you know, I live out here in New York City, and, you know, I do street preaching and got, uh, gospel tract distribution with my pastor. Um, and we reach, you know, we talk to a lot of Mormons over the years, because, as you may know, they have a large, um, you know, establishment out here. Yeah. And, you know, one, one question that I have for you, brother, that I've noticed is that now, of course, this does not apply to all, you know, fellow Christians. But maybe you could help me answer this. Why is it that among the Mormons, among the, you know, the so-called Latter-day Saints, they seem to have a very close knittedness um, and, and, you know, organization, you know what I'm talking about, with each other, whereas a lot of fellow Bible-believing Christians can oftentimes, you know, be, like, scattered and, you know, disunited. And, you know, like I've discussed this with people. And I was just thinking, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if, you know, the doctrinally sound, Bible-believing, you know, Christians were to be as close-knit together in standing up for Jesus as the Mormon system, the Mormons are, you know, for standing up for false doctrines. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, it's a great observation, and it's really multifaceted as to why it is the way it is. It seems like, from first glance, Aaron, um, it's, it's their totalist methodologies Dr. Robert J. Lifton, we've mentioned him a lot. He did a study on communist China and talked about cult practices. And he says they're totalist methodologies. He gives about nine, I think, of them, is, is what keeps them together. And so you'll find with Jehovah's Witnesses or Waco, and not, to, not to equate Mormonism with Waco, but in some ways it is, and, and Mormons or whatever it is, it's not just showing up for church and worshiping God, singing a few songs, and going home. It is a lifestyle. It is a culture. It is a networking. They are very much, you being a, a Jew, very much like the Jews of old and, and how you, uh, you did business together. And, and they have modeled that system of doing church in some ways from you culturally. And then they've borrowed from the totalistic methodologies to concretely cement people's lives together. And so they have, they have meetings throughout the week. They have home teachers coming. They have visiting teachers. They have their Sunday stuff, which goes throughout the day. And, and it's just everything is about the church, the church, the church. Whereas Christians, everything is about, hopefully, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Or unfortunately, it's about me, me, me. You see? I, and and I, I, I think that's part of it, Aaron. Wow, that's, that's a very good um, observation on that. Thanks. Um, you know, and brother, my second question is, um, I'm sure you're familiar with the whole concept of, you know, replacement theology. And, you know, unfortunately, there's like, even among, you know, a lot of Christians in the world, um, yeah. there's a, a lot of, you know, anti-Semitism. Um, from your own experiences, 
you know, being a member of the Mormons for all those years. Um, do the Mormons hold to a replacement theology? Like it seems to me like they think they're the replacement of Israel and the priesthood, or what are your thoughts on that? You know, it's uh, not as egregiously administered or received in Mormonism uh, as it is in uh, replacement theologists in Christianity who are anti-Semites. Mormons are not anti-Semites. They receive the House of Israel. They just believe that where the House of Israel left off and, they will, and the House of Israel will continue to move on as God wills it, they have sort of picked up the baton and carried it now. Uh, and so it's not a replacement. It's like you've added a brother. I see. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Um, and my, my third and final question, um, you know, if you don't mind, I don't want to take up a lot of your time, um, is on, tell me if my observation regarding uh, the Mormons is correct, that in general, they tend to rely on good works, work salvation, you know, as opposed to, you know, the grace and eternal security, eternal life of, you know, biblical salvation. Is, is that a major distinction, would you say, between Mormons and biblical Christianity? Gigantic. Yeah, it, it, no matter what the missionaries are teaching or saying, bottom line, Jesus makes repentance possible. They have to put forth the work to be forgiven for every sin as they come along. They aren't forgiven past, present, and future. And it's by their works they are able to show that they trust in what Jesus did on the cross for the, for, for the rest of the world. Wow. Yeah, it, it is, it, you know, it works, and uh, they're very, very uh, influential. But the problem is, is the burden on the backs of those people is, uh, and it's similar to what Paul says, my Jewish brother in Romans, about his brothers, the nation of Israel. The Mormons are the same. He says they're going about to establish their own righteousness, not knowing the righteousness of God. And that's the problem right. with the LDS. Right. Well, hey, thank you so much. And, and Brother Sean, I want you to know that, you know, I'm with you all the way. And be encouraged in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you're doing a great work for him. I want you to know that. Thanks, my brother. We share the same name. It's my middle name, Aaron. Wow. Very cool. I look forward to meeting you. I'll talk to you later, my friend. God bless you. God bless you. Bye-bye. We're going to Mina in Bayonne, New Jersey, on line two. Mina, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Great, great, Sean. It's a great honor for me to speak with you. You know, I'm a longtime uh, fan and uh, person. Uh, you know, I have um, all of your uh, books. Um, and I just wanted to say, you know, uh, keep on doing the good fight of, you know, Jesus Christ. And um, I just want, you know, uh, are you going to have a show about how wrong Calvinism, maybe a show about Calvinism is wrong, and how about a show about how Jehovah's Witness are, are wrong biblically? You know, uh, is it Mina? Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, Mina. Mina. Hey, uh, I won't do the Jehovah's Witnesses because I'm not studied up enough I don't know, that I know them generally, but I couldn't do it justice. Uh, in terms of Calvinism, I am going, we're not talking about the churches, but I will, in this year, we will talk about Calvinism because it was, a, a re, it was an absolute disgust for Calvinism that led Joseph Smith and his family
to reject much of modern day Christianity. And so I will be going into Calvinism and my essential disgust for it as well. Okay, great. Thanks, Sean. But I, wa I want to tell you about a book. You know, um, I am an Orthodox Coptic, oh. and the Orthodox, uh, Orthodox Coptic is like Greek Orthodox. Uh -huh. And, uh, and um, there's a book called The Orthodox Way. And um, I, I don't know if you I know about, you know, Orthodox, uh, uh, you, know, you know, a section, you know, um, you know, um, but, you know, there's a great book called The Orthodox Plan. It's about, you know, um, American, you know, uh, Protestant people, you know, look, searching for, you know, uh, you know, like a religion, you know, the, a Christianity, you know, people that were started at the time of Jesus Christ. Uh -huh. You know, and, and, then, and then they found that the Orthodox, you know, is, um, you know, one of the original, uh, you know, uh, faiths. And so if you would, you know, um, you'll be able to, I'm going to send it to you. Would you be able to read that? Uh, I will try to look at it. I have a lot of books waiting to be read, and I, I feel bad. I don't ever really get to them. But I would try, Mina. Listen, are you Egyptian? Yeah, I'm Egyptian, yes. I see. And so the Copt, are you a confirmed Coptic in, in terms of your uh, Christianity? Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. Um, you know, Coptic, you know, is a Greek word meaning Egypt. You know, our um, Orthodox Coptic Church, mm -hmm. uh, you know, was started by St. Mark. And, uh, you know, as you know, when Jesus and uh, when um, you know, Joseph and, um, you, know, um, you know, the Virgin Mary uh, were in Egypt, they were at a, a Orthodox Coptic Church. Um, and that church is still in, um, in Egypt. Wow. And, it's and, and the city is called Coptic Egypt. Huh. Uh, yeah. Very and, interesting. Um, and, you know, if you, um, and if you go, if you go right now to Egypt, you can go see the, you can go be the church, you can go see the church that, you know, um, you know, uh, St. Joseph and St. Mary hid out, you know, when they left Israel. I don't know if you, in Isaiah, it says, blessed be the people um, for where, for there will be my church. Next time I'm passing through Egypt, I'll stop in. Okay, great. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much, Sean. All okay. right, Mina. Nice talking to you. You send me that book. Uh, I, I would really appreciate it. I'll check it out, and we'll talk. Okay, great. Thanks, so, Sean. You're, you're the best. I'm the worst. Nice to meet you. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye-bye. Listen, you know, uh, Coptics, they have some beliefs that are what uh, traditional Christianity would say, oh, you know, oh, and... Uh, I have discovered, and this is one of the things that drove people crazy in the early shows, I have discovered that there are people who are his. They are his. They are Baptists. They are Catholic. They are some Mormon. They are Lutheran. They don't go to church. Some of them drink alcohol, and they're alcoholics. Some of them live very austere lives. Some of them are Coptics. Some of them are probably Muslim. All through Jesus Christ, all, his, his. You take a lot of heat because you say, no, 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 no. Yet you have to be in a Christian church, but sometimes people don't have those opportunities. And sometimes that's just not the case. And sometimes they make choices of where they're going to fellowship or worship. And sometimes where they are, it's not optimal, but sometimes where they are is better than even some of the accepted Christian churches that are all around. 
The thing is, do you have the relationship? Have you been born again? Are you seeking God hotly with your life to know him and be in a relationship with him and to be sold out to him and him alone? Uh, based off the biblical tenets that you have been exposed to. I know it gets in dangerous water. I know that there is all kinds of variables that people freak out on, but it doesn't help to be dogmatic on some of this stuff. What helps is to be searching and seeking and teaching and loving uh, Christ as the people who have called in tonight. Listen, really quickly, I wanna do a little imaginary experiment with you. Uh, I want you to take the very best in your mind, the very best Latter-day Saint you can think of. Now, this is not one of these yokels down on North Temple up in the high rise. These are the people who are the salt of the earth of the LDS church. And they live it. They believe every bit of it. They do it. And uh, they are just, they're, they're humble. And take that picture in your head, okay? Now, uh, assign the same level of devotion to what we would call a biblical Christian. We're not talking about televangelists. We're not talking about a majority of pastors or reverends out there. We're talking about the salt of the earth Christian, and you've met them. And these are people, I'm telling you, they have a love uh, for what the Bible says. That's their manual. They follow it in faith. They do what, the, what it's all about, okay? Now, <laughs> in my experience, we would have a hard time telling these two types of people apart from the outside. They would probably be dressed in uh, unassuming clothing or very regular clothes, not without much fashion. They wouldn't be all gussied up probably. The very humble people, salt of the earth on the outward uh, side. But here's the deal. Here's the real question that we gotta ask both parties. Where is their individual spiritual allegiance? And why or what motivated them to pursue the life that they live? Those are the questions that you ask. From the outside, we have the appearance of true devotion and humility toward what seems to be God. Now, if you're honest and having been LDS, remember, these are not people who are outwardly LDS. These are people who embrace everything about it. If you ask the most devout Latter-day Saint person on this earth, why they are so devout and what their allegiance is to, the answer would be to the church, to the living prophet, to the Book of Mormon, to the Doctrine and Covenants, to the Pearl of Great Price, to the temple, to the family being sealed. Jesus would be in there. Heavenly Father's name would be mentioned. But bottom line, the main factor in someone who is a true Latter-day Saint and devoted to it in a real salt-of-the-earth sense their allegiance and their motivator is the church. Now, go to the Christian, same outward demeanor probably, and ask them, what, where is your allegiance? And why do you pursue, what motivates you to pursue this style of life? What would they say? Jesus, 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 Jesus. You see the difference? This is why we do the show. Churches, if a church was gonna save mankind, a brick and mortar building would have fallen out of the sky and landed right next to the cross. It doesn't do jack. They're full of it for the most part, okay? It's men and women trying to play church and trying to do this stuff. 
It's the relationship. Salt of the earth, you will find that the allegiance and the motivation for the true Christian is entirely different than the allegiance and motivation for the Mormon. And that's scary to me. That, that worries me, which is why we do the show. Listen, we hope you check us out on www.hotm.tv and at bornagainmormon.com. You can also go to campus, www.campus with hyphens in between if you want to watch some of our uh, online um, uh, sermons. Uh, but uh, join us next week. Tell your friends about the show. We appreciate your prayers and love and support. Thanks for the callers from all over who have been calling tonight. We'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter. Good job, audience.